I'm Cesar Rubio, five-time past master of Palm Springs Laws number 693, and this is Masonic Muscle, where we focus on the strongest aspect of Freemasonry, a virtuous education of the mind, fortifying it with wise and serious truths, encouraging all brethren to increase their level of fitness one degree at a time, making exercise and study a cornerstone of your daily routine, because Freemasonry is work. When you put in the work, get closer and closer to the point within the circle. Masonic Muscle, we give you more light, but no light weights. We're here to pump you up, body, mind, and soul. Welcome back, welcome back to another episode of Masonic Muscle. I forgot to ask you in the last episode, that if you haven't already, please give me a review on Spotify and iTunes. I don't know what other platforms are offering reviews, but give me a five star. Don't give me a three star. Don't give me if you can give me a seven star, that'll be awesome. I don't know if they can they have a option for that, but three, five, and seven. You know what I'm talking about, brother Masons out there. But anyhow, please, please do that. Tell other people about this podcast and what we're trying to do. There are many podcasts out there that are excellent Masonic podcasts, just as well as just podcasts to deliver information like The Art of Manliness, um, the, what is it, The Art of War, you have the Tony Robbins podcast, you have the Rich Dad Poor Dad, you have the from uh, leadership to wealth the you know the the other manly ones they're just the the order of man i listen to those a lot they're they're excellent they're providing valuable information to men all across the united states and it was even before all of this started to happen especially with the stuff with bud light that's happening right now it was way before that Maybe it was something that they felt needed to be done. They felt it coming and they just started talking about what it is to be a man. And within Freemasonry, we have these principles and these morals and these virtues that help guide us and keep us on track to do the right thing, to stand up for something, to, especially when you know that there's something not right and someone needs to speak up. And I know, I know, there's people just like to follow along. They like to follow the path of least resistance. And one of the things that I've come to understand of Freemasonry is that it was created as not a path of least resistance. Freemasonry, when looked at unbiasedly, when looked at honestly, there's only one conclusion you can come up with. And that is, what Freemasonry is asking us to do is very difficult. It is. It's a lot of hard work to continue to look at yourself in the mirror and acknowledge that there are things that are not right about you that need to be corrected. And Freemasonry does acknowledge that. It acknowledges the need 
for us to look within our hearts and souls and to acknowledge that there is much improvement that needs to be done. The rough and perfect Ashler are there to remind us of this. And I'm sorry to say, most of the times that I've heard Masons talk about the rough and perfect Ashler is only when someone's fucking up in lodge. Excuse my language. But that's it. Or when there's disharmony. You know, when someone says, hey, you know, I'm doing this in order to maintain the peace and harmony. I've said it before and I'll say it again. There's, our, there's already no peace and harmony in the lodge. They're, they are saying this as kind of a, a knee-jerk reaction, as a stopgap to try and make themselves feel better or because they don't want to be forced into a situation of confrontation. Because denial is easier than confrontation. Because we all want to be liked at some level or another. And Freemasonry is not promoting that. It is not promoting that you fall into this common practice of denial is easier than confrontation. And you would rather be liked than be efficient. It's not about that. And so these podcasts began to come out. And now here's Freemasonry with all the different podcasts that have come out. And mine is focused on Masonic muscle, physical fitness, exploring the mysterious origins of Freemasonry, combining you know, the principles of exercise with Freemasonry, but also exploring. Right now, I'm in the middle of exploring the, or not even in the middle, beginning stages of the origins of exercise throughout the ancient world and then the different theories on the origins of Freemasonry, which, in my opinion, isn't explored enough. Yeah, you can find many papers out there written over the 200 years, uh, but never is there a consistent focus. Just like there's never a consistent focus on the foundational documents of Freemasonry. Why would we even need to do that in a lodge? Why would we have to, why would we have the need to consistently study the foundational documents of Freemasonry? Why? Ask yourself, what, what benefit would that lodge derive? What possible benefit other than getting a solid foundation as to the core principles and where they came from. Understanding the rules and regulations, where they changed, where they've deviated. Understanding what true Freemasonry is versus what's out there being promoted and pushed upon the public and then Masons when they become entered apprentices and fellow crafts and master Masons. What is the benefit of studying the foundational documents of Freemasonry? In my opinion, the benefits are legion. And in order to cure a lot of what's going on within the world of Freemasonry, I just got a... The reason why I say that is because I just saw the numbers that came out from our Grand Lodge in California. Part of those numbers are 
membership retention. And we are actually down after a whole year, we're actually down 500 members. So the bleeding hasn't stopped. Everything that Grand Lodge is trying, and Grand Lodge is us, and we are Grand Lodge. Having said that, everything that Grand Lodge is trying has still not stopped the bleeding entirely. And who knows when that's going to stop. And everybody knows when you begin to study the documents and the research as to when it started, the decline started somewhere in the 60s and it hasn't stopped. No Grand Lodge or juris jurisdiction has figured out how to stop the bleeding. Hence why all of these gimmicks are experimented with. One of them being the most famous one that probably all of you have seen, and that is to be one, ask one, that slogan. And that, and for Freemasonry to accept that that's okay to put that slogan out there, that's akin to opening the door to beginning to relax the method of how Freemasonry works. And that is, you know, you never solicit. That's a soft solicitation right there. However you look at it, it's a soft solicitation. So anyways, going back to my exploration into the mysterious beginnings of weightlifting in the ancient world, I had been talking about ancient Egypt and proofs of weightlifting in the ancient world. We also must remember that ancient Egypt, to many researchers, is the birthplace of the mystery schools. But there are other researchers that say, no, I go back further, like Manny P. Hall and other researchers that say it went back to Atlantis and that Egypt and Sumeria, Babylon, Indus Valley, Tibet, even going to the Americas, the Native Americans, the Aztecs, the Olmecs, the Incas, that they were children of the civilization of Atlantis. But going back to Egypt, they had a mystery school. They had a mystery school system, and it was renowned. What I was getting into was that they actually had physical requirements to enter these mystery schools. And what were these physical requirements? Well, you once you traveled to Egypt from whatever country you were from and you got there, there was like a year or two year long preparation, hence why they had to stay there so long. Not exactly sure about how long, how many years, but in those years there was fasting, there was meditation, there was there was contemplation, there were dietary restrictions, asceticism, being introduced to some precepts that they would need before they actually got initiated. And there's a lot of information out there that gives us a pretty good idea of what the, these initiations were like. I'm correlating the physical exercise with the physicality of the requirements of a, of a prospect 
waiting to be initiated, waiting to be finally admitted into the mystery schools. And these requirements seem to have carried over into Greece, into Tibet, into India, into Babylon, Sumer, into Assyria, into all these different lands. I mean, up and down Egypt as well, because you had many different centers of initiation. And I believe there's books that described how even within Egypt, there was different schools that they would send you within there until finally they sent you to Heliopolis, the city of the sun, on, as they would call it as well, where you would finally take your biggest initiation. Which would, seems like you were put in, in the pyramid, the pyramid of Egypt, where you were placed in the sarcophagus, where you were to stay for three days and three nights. Can you imagine the physical, psychological, and emotional impact this had on you and why it was so important to prepare you all those years. There are books out there as well that describe the mind control aspect of these initiations. That it was more, it had more to do with getting the person in this mental state so that when finally he was initiated, his mind was susceptible to what was about to be imparted to him. So it was sensory deprivation sleep deprivation, water deprivation, food deprivation, deprivation of seeing other people so that when you finally got initiated, your, your mind was wide open to these suggestions. Hence, when they went back, they were never the same because something happened to them. They didn't entirely understand. But this is where they say that Socrates had guessed at the true purpose of initiation. And that was just to create a certain mental state. And since he didn't get initiated because he had guessed at it and he had guessed at it correctly, uh, according to some researchers. So the correlations are there of a physical nature. Now, out here now, in the real world, well, that was a real world as well. But out here now, in modern times, we have known now for 100, 200 years that the more physically fit you are, the better capable you are of handling stress and handling the stresses of life. And you're more capable of just taking action and not freezing when life's challenges arise. They happen everywhere. This is not anything new. And there are studies to suggest that even back to the very first Olympics in Greece, that the athletes there, they understood these principles. And so they would repeat affirmations, they would visualize, and they would utilize these techniques to great effect to help them win titles, whatever win competitions, whatever competition they were in. The, and it was, a lot of it had to do with their physical perfection. 
their physical fitness, their diet. Of course, their diet had to be clean. I mean, there was no additives or preservatives back then. So whatever they were eating, it was like the purest. Can you imagine the effects it had from the water to the food that they were eating? I mean, they, this must have been primo, primo nutrients going into the body. So at Masonic Muscle, we're trying, I'm trying to make these correlations between the tools we use in a gym to get stronger and the tools we're given in Freemasonry in the Lodge to get mentally and emotionally stronger as well, to be able to handle the stresses of life that much more efficiently. It doesn't mean that we don't feel fear or stress. It just means that whenever we, we get confronted with stressful situations, we, we have a positive response to it. Not all goody two-shoes. It just means that we continue to take action. We continue to pull the trigger to get the results that we want. Think about it. The physically better in shape that you are, the better capable you are of taking action when the time comes because you have been disciplining yourself and pushing yourself in the gym, whether it's in the gym or you get up and you walk, you get up and you get on the treadmill or on the stationary bike or you run or you jog or you run stairs or you do a CrossFit, whatever it may be. This is helping you build tolerance, endurance, and allows you to push yourself. Even when you're by yourself and nobody's around you, you continue to push the limits of what you think is the last rep you can do. So again, I ask you, brethren, and for those of you who want to be members, what are you waiting for? When are you going to jump into the breach and begin to lead your own life and become a leader? I will leave you with that, gentlemen. Have a good day. These strong sessions are calculated to inculcate in the mind of the novitiate the importance of some doing our passions and improving ourselves in masonry, feeding the attentive ear with the sound of the instructive tongue, endeavoring to add to the common stock of knowledge and understanding, effectively spreading the cement of knowledge and wisdom, and hopefully some good will towards exercising. Get out there and get your walking in. Open up your ciphers. Study, memorize, and just do it.